0: I have the capacity the ability the imagination the creativity and the spirit to do that right here right now to make that happiness for myself right here and like that's that is how we get saved like that's salvation to me and that is that comes from that's internal that comes from inside of us um I'm not asking a deity to save me I I did that and you can Interpret that in so many ways, you can believe in a a divine spark that is in each of us. And I I do probably believe in that. And so, you know, maybe God is still saving me, but it's, it's through my own efforts and it's through my own actions. Hello,
1: friends. Welcome to Let's Give a Damn, a show about extraordinary people who aim to lead the planet much better than they found it all of my guests are very different from each other but they all have this one thing in common they give lots and lots of dams i'm your host nick lapara and i'm incredibly glad you're here now if you're a regular listener to the podcast you will have noticed that we have only put out a few podcast episodes this summer why well my family and i ended up traveling quite a bit and frankly for the past couple of months i've also had to focus on other work projects aka work that actually pays the bills but I want you to know that we are not going anywhere, that we are coming back strong, and that we have tons of amazing guests lined up for the rest of the year. To that end, thank you for listening and for showing up. Please consider sharing this conversation or others with a friend or two, and consider rating us and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. These things only take a few seconds. They mean the world to us, and they help Let's Give a Damn and vary. very, tangible ways. Now for my guest today. Her name is Flamie Grant, and she is a shame-slaying, hip-swaying, singing, songwriting drag queen from Western North Carolina. Her 2022 debut record, Bible Belt Baby, was nominated for Best Pop Album at the San Diego Music Awards and she is a winner of the 2023 Curvil Folk Festival New Folk Competition. Both a powerhouse vocalist and an intrepid songwriter, Flamey blends the art of drag with her iconic folk rock sound to create an absolutely memorable musical experience. I wanted to have Flamey on, Because A, I love drag queens, and B, her story seemed very similar to mine in terms of where we came from and how far we've come since our oppressive evangelical days. A few weeks ago, MAGA-loving anti-vaxxer Sean Foyt, you might remember Sean as the fool that held huge, maskless, super-spreader worship concerts throughout the pandemic all over the country. Remember Sean? Well, Sean tweeted his disgust a few weeks ago and disbelief at Flamey Grant and Derek Webb when they shared a new new music video for a song called Boys Will Be Girls. One thing led to another, and a few days later, Flamey was topping music charts for her song Good Day, and she has now been written up in Rolling Stone, Paste, Entertainment Weekly, and a ton of other publications. I loved speaking with Flamey. And I know you're going to enjoy listening to her as well. I experienced so much love, light, and hope in the hour we spent together. And I'm so excited for you to meet her. Before we jump in, a quick reminder as always that you can email me anytime and for any reason at hello You can ask questions, recommend future guests, tell me how much you love or hate the show. Anything goes. I just love hearing from you. And now... Let's get right into my conversation with the absolutely stunning Flamey Grant. Let's go. Flamey Grant, it is such an honor to have you on the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Welcome. I'm
0: so happy to give
1: a damn. Thank you for having me. I've been so impressed by what I've seen of you in the last few weeks. I will also be honest with you and say that I didn't know about you before probably uh, a month or so ago. And that's probably the story for a lot of people. That's you and Uh, the rest of the world, yep. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. But hopefully hopefully that won't happen as often from here on out because I think everybody should know about you. Um, But I really do appreciate you coming on uh, pretty short notice. We have so much to discuss. Um, So impressed by what you're doing. So impressed by who you are. I've been listening to your music nonstop. Uh, since I found out about you. And I have been following uh, gleefully along <laughs> with some of the um, drama on, on social media yeah. and the incredible results of that drama, right? Sometimes drama happens and terrible things happen to people. In your case, uh, it's probably been there have probably been difficult moments, but I'm sure it's been a lot of upside, yeah. right? In terms of you just getting clarity on who you are and what you want to do here on now like right it's resonating with people
0: right yeah absolutely it's it's uh i think you're you've kind of hit the nail on the head it actually feels like it's just shown a light right on the path that i should be on and uh given me that next step so it's it's exciting that's really beautiful okay so here's how i like to usually begin mm-hmm. we're going to get to some current
1: day stuff and we have a lot to discuss because i think we have some we were brought up in similar environments. And it seems like we have um, escaped uh, so far so good. Uh, But before we do that, let's go back to the very beginning. Um, Who are you? Where did you come from? What are some of the people, places, and things that have shaped you? Mm. And more than most of the conversations I have, this story part of it, this history is gonna be very uh, integral in our conversation because who you are today is very much a product. This is true for everybody, but I think from what I'm seeing from your story as it develops who you are today, there's a lot going on in your past. And so get into it as deep as you want. I might interrupt and ask a few questions here and there, but I would just love to hear
0: from you, where did you come from and how did you get here? Mm, Absolutely. Well, my zygote days... I'm just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> go like I said. Go back as far as you want. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I grew up in Western North Carolina. Uh, I was born into a very evangelical fundamentalist uh, religious family. Uh, so these are the people who brought us the 45th president, um, and they also brought you me. So it's a very uh, Diverse outcomes from this community, obviously. Um, I I grew up in a church uh, community that was called Plymouth Brethren, and this is a place that is just if you if you can go as far right um, on the spectrum in your mind as possible without like actually going into like like maybe like full Amish like costuming like we were just like one step. To the to the left I guess of that style of upbringing so just super patriarchal very conservative uh the women in my church were not permitted to speak growing up um, or, or still to this day my mom actually still goes to that church and she still covers her hair um because of a verse in second Corinthians that says women's hair should not compete with the glory of God one verse one verse and, <laughs> it, and it dictates how yeah.
1: these people li- and that's so much of that group right so. I, I, again. Much. Like w- they find one verse and they live and die on that hill, which is fucking like, it's just absolutely insane to me. We don't do that for anything else. Right. And yet this like archaic book, one verse, two, maybe two verses, maybe they get two verses and they change everything for it.
0: Yeah. And what's crazy about it is that there are so many instances of that where there's like one or two verses um, that become these kind of hyper, like we have to be hyper vil- uh, vigilant about these things. And then there are, We'll just ignore the hundreds of verses that talk about how to love your neighbor and how to, you know, be inclusive and these kinds of things. So it's it is an interesting um, interesting is not the right word, but it's it's an environment that. Uh, I'm I'm from <laughs> for better or worse, and for uh, better or worse, yeah, for better or worse. I, I I grew up like fully immersed to just it wasn't it wasn't just like my home and my church. It was our school. We, we went to a Christian school, and really that was kind of my triangle of life. I was super sheltered and um, kind of not permitted to engage with a lot of pop culture and things like that until I was older, like high school age. So. Um, I am queer, uh, and I knew from a super young age that I was queer, even if I didn't have the language for it, because I didn't know what queerness was. I didn't learn the words gay and lesbian probably till, I don't know, middle school maybe. But I knew early on that 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 was uh, part of who I am. Um, I also grew up kind of stomping around in my mom's high heels and playing with her lipstick and getting in trouble for those kinds of things. And so that was another part of my journey that was, uh, very much, uh, um, an instinctual, like, uh, inborn thing. I mean, I was, I was very young. Nobody was teaching me to do that stuff. It's just what, what my body wanted to do. Um, but it quickly got kind of squashed and suppressed. And as I learned what the rules were in my community for boys uh, and people who were going to be raised to be men and carry on this patriarchal tradition, um, I learned real quickly that, um, my instincts were not aligning with the expectations for me, so I adapted
1: what when did you realize can can you not not about your queerness and not about the sort of how they felt about queer people and LGBTq people, but just in general, do you remember when you started to realize oh this is this is not a great environment. Like, did you make it all the way out before you truly realized it? Or were you young, maybe maybe stomping around in the high heels and getting made fun of for it or being told that's not the way to be? Was that the thing that showed you? This doesn't seem right. Like, Because when you're in it, as someone who grew up in that as well, I had several years before I truly knew as a young boy, before I truly knew in my early teens that this is fucked up, mm-hmm. this is not okay. There were a few years in between fully being in it because that's all i ever knew then there were a few years where i was like okay am i am i just the rebellious heretic they're talking about yeah or is this truly not a healthy good environment because they're keeping us from everything like you just said you don't even know what gay and lesbian meant right like right. these they, they, they keep you from very normal like they keep you from learning so many incredibly normal things. Yes. Like my kids at uh 9, 10, and eleven, we have three kids. They already know more about life than I did by the time I was 20. And <laughs> I'm not joking. Like they know more about how things work and who people are and how the world works than I did until I was an adult, which is wild. So can you do you
0: remember when it was that you started to realize, wow, this is <laughs> this is not okay? Yeah, I think there's two answers to this. And so the first answer is I self-enrolled in conversion therapy, queer like gay conversion therapy at the age wow. of 19. Um, was I 19? Yeah. No, no, maybe 20. Um, and and so in that regard, I was all in and didn't fully understand the damage that was being done to me or that the damage that I was perpetuating just by like continuing the system and, and uh yeah, carrying carrying on as a eventually a worship leader and things like that in churches. Um, and at the same time, I'm probably a little like you and I have that contrarian streak in me and I got called the, the heretic, the heathen a lot, um, for asking questions, you know, uh, hard questions and, and, and sometimes asking them in a way that like revealed my bias of this seems like bullshit. Like, can you please explain to me why we do this this way or why we believe this thing? Um, so, yeah, that streak's always been there. But I, the indoctrination worked on me real good for a long time. Let's just put it that way. Um, and that's, I mean, I use that word real intentionally because that's what we in the drag community and in the queer community are being accused of these days. Uh, the word groomer gets tossed around a lot, but um, that's a projection because these are the these people are the the masters of indoctrination. They're, they're, they they know what they're doing, and it worked on me for far longer than I wish it would have. Um, Yeah. That's a great observation that
1: they quickly go to the word groomer Mm -hmm. because it's so familiar to them. They know what that's like. They just don't want to look in the mirror and say, no, you're the groomer. It's not. I'm not always talking about sexually grooming. I'm just talking about grooming these people, grooming these young kids to never question, to always obey, and to really believe that God hates them unless they unless they follow the bible meticulously yeah. god hates you yeah. and you will burn in hell if you happen to figure out how to follow it really well he loves you right and that shouldn't make sense in any context but again the grooming happens and you're like you just grow up and you're like oh yeah that makes sense yes um and so yes they the, the word groomer gets tossed i've been called it you've been called we've all been called it for supporting you know people for being who they are yes and and yet I have yet to meet, I'm not saying this doesn't exist, but I have yet to meet um, uh, a significant number of queer people that have abused children. But I can, I can, I can point out, I can name right now dozens of pastors that have raped kids, yep. raped their secretary, raped their wives, right? Like I can name them. The name just come, like they're just there. And so. Yeah, it's a projection yeah. and that's wild. I mean, so much of what we're seeing is this projecting onto us what they don't want to admit that they are dealing with themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the I think what you what you hit the nail on the, the head on there is the, the piece about us being hated by God, right? Like that is kind of the key. It's the foundation that makes all the rest of it work. Um, when you grow up with this belief that it's, it's, it's the doctrine of sin. It's, it's the sin nature and us being fallen and Adam and Eve being the first sinners. And we've all inherited their sin, that kind of thing. Like from the get go, um, you know, we sing songs like my heart was black with sin until the savior came in. Like we are groomed from the beginning to believe that we are worthless. We're unacceptable to God. We can't even approach God without this atonement sacrifice, weird thing that, that we place on Jesus. And, um, and that is what makes all the rest of it work. It's because I believed that about myself for years and years that I went to such extreme lengths, self-harming lengths to um, to try and be the person that uh, they expected me to be, uh, and that I thought God wanted me to be, right? I genuinely believed that with my whole heart, and I was very sincere in all of my efforts to pursue God, to pursue straightness as an as ideal that ideal way to live and um yeah it was all very sincere and it's because that happens at the at the start mm.
1: i'm sure there's some pain uh and even trauma talking about what you did what you said a few minutes ago where you actually checked yourself into conversion therapy what was that process like like how how long did you for lack of a better term, submit to that. Mm-hmm. And did you? I mean, you—you you obviously got out okay, but probably not without a lot of wounds and you know, gaping wounds and things that you had to deal with. You know, since then. So, yeah. what was that process like? Because I've only heard—I don't know anybody personally. I mean, I know it exists, and I've—I've I've heard many stories, but I don't know anybody personally who's been
0: through uh, conversion therapy. So, what, what, what was that like? Yeah. It seems horrific. <clears throat> you know hindsight is 2020 and hindsight is horrific uh, at the time I was dealing with all of that that internalized hate uh, and homophobia for myself um, and I was I was drowning I was desperate and this was a thing this was a lifeboat that I, I thought it was a life raft that I reached out to um, to try and save myself right and so I um, Honestly, it was just, it was, it was, I don't know, early internet, I guess it wasn't that early internet days. It would have been, no, yeah, it was early internet days. I'm old. <laughs> uh, so probably like found it on like America Online or something. But you know, it was just like my own research, like like Googling, whatever, um, found out about this organization called Exodus International, which no longer yeah. exists, thankfully. Um, the founders of that organization came out in within the past decade and said, hey, actually, we're still gay. And that didn't work for us. Wild. Um, yeah, wild. Uh, but for for a couple decades, that was the go to place for churches around the world, really, but especially here in America to kind of ship off their their queer kids. Right. And um, because I was in the closet and never never came out to anybody, <laughs> uh, I it shipped myself off. And um, I mean, it wasn't an actual I didn't go anywhere. It was in my hometown, but I, I went to group therapy sessions uh, there was a national conference i went to one year um there were books that were just you know here's a stack of books for you here's uh, it it wasn't a 12 step program but it wasn't not a 12 step program either right like there were there were right there were like right. mile markers along the way that you have to achieve on your quest towards heterosexuality straightness yep um and i was i was in full pursuit of that you know the the kind of the the main thinking uh, at least that I encountered in that was that you're queer or you're gay because you had a deficiency of love from the same sex parent. So there was a lot of work around having to like either reconcile with your same sex parent or finding sub- substitutionary, like, love and affection and guidance from somebody else in the world. Um, so yeah, like, I, I mean, I wrote, my dad was one of the first people I came out to because I thought I had to like, Fix that relationship. Mm. Um, and I did it for five years. And the reason I did that for five years was because, in that national conference I mentioned, someone raised their hand and asked the facilitator in one of the sessions, How long is this going to take? Like this is really hard. Um, we want to do the right thing, but like I need to I need to know where the light at the end of this tunnel is, and the facilitator. Oh gave a, an answer that was, you know, hemmed and hawed and was just like, well, sure. it's different. It's different for everybody. But if you commit to this thing for five years, if you commit to this program for five years, you'll start to see a change in your orientation, if not be, you know, fully healed or whatever. Um. So I, like, all but opened up my date book and, like, marked the date. I was like, okay, great. Like, 20, 2000... I don't even know what it would have been. Like, when did I start that? So it would have been, like, 2007 would have been, like, my year. I I... I was gonna be straight. So I was mm-hmm. and I was counting down, I was excited, and I was like, oh finally, like I'll just be quote unquote normal and can do all the things that everybody else in my my life is doing, marrying a woman and having kids and whatever. And uh and I got to two thousand seven and I was. you're still gay oh i was gayer i was gayer Gayer.
1: that's right you got progressively yeah that's amazing
0: yeah and and that was really you you know the question you asked earlier like what was the moment for you where you were like this is bullshit and and something's got to change that was my moment that was when i finally had to face my own facts and be like something's not lining up like we're somebody's lying we're wrong about some piece of this information and it's time for me to like take this into my own hands and figure it out because I am still drowning like I was five years ago, just in a different way now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I did. Yeah. After that, it was, that's when I kind of started looking into, you know, we, we call them the clobber passages in scripture the the six passages that have been traditionally used to um, demonize homosexuality, queerness, and, uh, you know, started looking into that stuff and realizing how badly misinterpreted that is, how, you uh, you know, how the word homosexuality was added to the Bible in 1946, how the, the political side of it all, um, how homosexuality really became a political point of discussion with the rise of the religious right in the 80s and 90s, um, and how there long been Christian traditions like far older than evangelicalism, yep. which is what yep. I was raised in, that have been affirming and welcoming to, to their, their queer people. And not just Christian traditions, but religions around the world that have celebrated mm-hmm. queerness and celebrated multiple genders. So um, that was when I really started my, you know, now we Things call started it to shift. deconstruction, like that buzzword. Right. Um, I yep. just, I called it apostasy at the time because I was just yeah. like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing other than like abandoning my faith here. Yeah, I've quite enjoyed
1: uh uh swimming around in the Sea of Apostasy the last 10-15 years <laughs> uh and, and getting and getting still clobbered by, you know, old family and friends and people that I still ha- literally have just just the other day um there there are two guys that I grew up with that um have it out for me. I I was I was born in upstate New York. I'm the son of a Guatemalan immigrant, so I we ended up moving to Guatemala. But when I was born in upstate New York, there was a very fundamentalist church that we were part of. And there was two guys that I grew up with that still somehow, for some reason, they're bored as fuck or something like just not happy with their lives, Mm -hmm. but they've made it their goal to try to expose me and try to this and try to that. And just are always just trolling me online. I'm decades after we've not been friends, you know? And, um, and just the other day, one of their troll accounts showed up uh, and I knew it was them because they responded to something and and I looked at some of their followers and I was like, how, this is, this is ridiculous, but it's, you know, I'm still getting it from all angles. It's like, you're, you know, you're so far gone and you're an apostate. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm so much better off for it. Mm-hmm. Like wherever, wherever I am, wherever I'm going and the amount of, I don't know what the hell's going on that I live in right now is the best place I've ever been in my life. Yes, yes. You talked about being a worship leader, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which we share that as well in our our days gone by. (laughs) Do you want to know who? uh, You might know this name. The last, uh, the second to last church that I was a worship leader in, um, do you know uh, a relatively obscure fellow by the name of John Piper?
0: Oh, yeah. I think think I've heard of a Piper before. Yes, you
1: think you've heard of John Piper? (laughs) Yeah, I was... um, when, when my partner and I first got married 15 years ago, 15 years ago, two days ago. Um, Happy we, anniversary. Uh, yeah, thank you. We went our first like four years of marriage was in Minneapolis, just headfirst into that whole world and ecosystem. And we left just damaged, destroyed, kicked to shit. Um, and we're never going back obviously, but, uh, yeah, so that was one of, that was one of my worship leader stints was for, um, wow. the biggest Calvinist, uh, <laughs> in, in, on the planet, John so Piper. So you're saying a lot of in Christ alone and. Oh, <laughs> over and over and over again, a lot of, a lot, I mean, a lot of, you know, I was going to mention earlier when you were talking, when, when you referenced me talking about, you know, that God hates you. I was thinking, I, I, my brain went back to this Jonathan Edwards sermon. Oh, Jonathan yeah. Edwards being this very famous Puritan Calvinist, like hardcore. And we we loved talking oh. about this Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God yep. sermon, oh, right? Yeah. We studied Which it in Christian
0: school. Yeah. yeah. It was curriculum.
1: You know, this was like the best sermon ever preached because it's the one that, you know, got... Uh, maybe millions of people to come to Christ right and it and it's essentially like no no nobody came to anything you just scared the living absolute shit out of people yes. and so they said I don't want that so whatever you need me to say I'll I'll sign up right now they, so again more grooming more indoctrination but uh anyway uh back to you on tell me a little bit about your worship leading days was that still in the Plymouth brethren sort of world or
0: did you leave that at that no, point no we didn't so plymouth brethren was pretty uh uh Basic, it's pretty tame right it's pretty, pretty chill. tame as yeah. far as like worship goes it was just no even instruments right well not in our not in the lord's supper service which is the main service that we we would have it's like all a cappella yeah it's all a cappella and that service is literally just like the men like if you have a penis you can stand up and you can say something to god in front of everybody um and that and then that's church um and then but then we would have like a second family bible hour which looked probably a little more traditional church service-y, but still still pretty vanilla. But yeah, we would have pianos. Um, But no, I I learned, uh, I taught myself guitar in high school, actually, because my high school was not a Plymouth Brethren High School. It was just like an interdenominational Mm. Christian school. And um, so we would have more lively chapels there. And I taught myself guitar there because I was elected to uh, be the student body chaplain uh, my senior year, which just meant that I was the one leading those chapels. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, so that's where I, I learned to play guitar, and I had I had been writing songs for years before that. Even I I wrote my first song when I was nine years old, um, but uh, from there it was like into college, which I went to a Presbyterian-ish college, uh, King King College in Bristol, Tennessee, for a couple of, couple years. It. Yeah, you know, yeah. So and there I I got I was on the praise team and things like that. And then after that moved to Reno, Nevada where I had my first like real church job. Uh, I was I was on staff at a mega church there. Um, and so up until well actually and then from there I, I, that's the reason I'm in San Diego is because I moved here in 2006 with a team of four people from that church in Reno to oh, start wow. one. So I was a church planter down here. Um, and so for five years, I was, I did that. <laughs> uh, and then, um, and so all of those were pretty conservative church world experiences. The, the one that down here in San Diego, that was, coincided with the period of time where I was coming to terms with my sexuality. So I came out and um, thought that my church family was also kind of on that journey with me and about half of them were, and then half mm-hmm. of them weren't. So when I did finally come out Ultimately, it ended up. To, it, it led to me having to step down from that leadership team and ultimately leave that church. We weren't as progressive as I I thought we were, um, which is a pretty common queer experience. Yes. Like you go to a church, yeah, and, yeah we welcome you. You're yeah. welcome. Come as but really, you are. You're wel- you're, come as you are, as long as you're ready to change all the shit that we don't like about you. <laughs> exactly. That's what it means. Yep. Yeah, you, you you get like a maybe a six week grace period before we'll start like actually telling you what we think you need to do Uh, or or if you try to do anything in leadership then you'll know for sure like that's that's a great way to test your church is like try to lead something and see what they say um anyway uh so that was it all kind of coincided with that moment I talked about earlier where I was like I gotta figure my shit out because the religion that has that I've been bound to my whole life is not serving me um Mm. in any meaningful way and yeah Kind of from there, I, I still I remained a worship leader in progressive churches after that up until last year. Actually, I was part of a church here in San Diego that was very very progressive. So much so that like most other churches, did not consider us a Christian church. Um, of course, we didn't have a we didn't have a creed or like a doctrine that you had to like a statement of belief that you had to check off if you wanted to be part of the church. You can just be part of the church for coming. Um, so yeah, I. That, that is my whole life. That's the first half of That's my it. life. I was a worship That's leader.
1: <laughs> I feel that in, in, in too many ways, in too many ways. And it's, you know, you know, uh, a few minutes ago, one of us said for better or for worse in reference to our upbringing. Mm. And really, I don't know how you feel. I've had a lot of time to process this. Uh, I am just now beginning therapy for the first time in my life. Mm. I, I've never been opposed to therapy, but I've always like tried to make sure everybody else, like I am a, to a fault. And I'm not saying this is a pat on my back. It's just who I am. Anybody that knows me will know this. Like I will work to the end of the year to make sure everyone around me is like taken care of. So like my kids are in therapy, my partner's in therapy. Like I pay for therapy for certain people, like therapy's huge, but I've always been able to like keep it together pretty well. Yeah. And just recently, you know, my partner's like, man, you've, you've got some, cause I was severely abused by my now, wonderful and changed father thank god mm. but like when i was growing up abused all of us i'm one of 12 kids oh wow yeah um lots of abuse toward us toward my mom and all sorts it was and he was a pastor and a missionary that whole thing you can i mean you can fill in the blanks there it was just a wild wild upbringing she was like man you've got some things to you know probably work through in therapy that we you know those of us that are your friends and close and i'm just an open book but like we're probably not asking the right questions because we're not professionally trained right. and so starting therapy But even even before I start therapy, I'm thinking, even though it was really hard, and I have led people astray myself, because I believed a lot of this bullshit for decades, before I finally left it completely, even with all that, like, I'm grateful for it all, because because of how life is, you and I aren't talking today, if every single goddamn thing that has ever happened to me, happened to me, right? Like. If all that hadn't happened, if you hadn't checked yourself into conversion therapy and you know, if you, and done worship, like all that stuff, everything you have done led you to the point where Sean Foyt you know, calls you out on Twitter, you and Derek out on Twitter, right? And then things the last few weeks, right? Like all of that. Like I am very sorry for a lot of the things I've partaken in. I'm very sorry that I had to be subjected to so much abuse for so many years and I don't regret any of it. <laughs> yes. Because I'm here. Yes. I'm here and I'm. you and I are able to help people, you and, I are able to help, you and I are able to help a certain subset of people yeah. in ways that most others can't, those that have totally rejected everything and left everything. Like, I, I, I want to hear a little bit more about your, like, current f- iteration of faith, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling that we're sort of similar and that we're, like, still sort of hovering somewhere in there, and, like, I still believe in something bigger than me. I believe in God for sure, but not the, that God, right. like way bigger God, a way bigger God that is all about love and so on and so forth. And so um, all that to say like, for better or for worse, maybe, but mostly for better because we're here, right? Yes. Um, through, through, all, through all the shit we've been through, we're, we're, we're here. When did you, so you realize when you're younger that you're queer. The whole conversion therapy thing, you keep going, you come out to certain people, they use it against you, da-da-da-da-da, you keep being a worship leader. At what point, where do we get to the point where you uh, are like, oh, maybe, remember when I was a kid and I liked the heels and the dresses and stuff? Like, how about I try that as an adult? Like, when did, what period of life was that?
0: Yeah, that would have been... Uh, Well, I, gosh, I just have to say, I I think we are very much the same person in so many ways. Just that, like what you just said about no regrets. I say that all the time. I'm like, I don't regret it. Um, First of all, I don't think regret serves us in any way, in any useful Mm -hmm. way. And second of all, yeah, I wouldn't have the opportunities that I do today. And I might have bet, maybe I would have had better opportunities (laughs) without all that. Who knows? But I, I have to choose to live the life I'm in and I love the life I'm in. So yeah. Anyway, back to the question. Um, where did where did my drag persona come from i uh so met I met my husband in twenty at the very end of twenty fourteen um and that was after kind of a tumultuous uh relationship well it was a tumultuous year that followed a tumultuous relationship mm. i um, i mean like with a lot of evangelical kids who grow up and fall in love with the first time, I just happened to do it a little later um because I didn't come out till late uh i just like I went all in on this person that I thought was my everything and was very codependent. And it was just, it turned out it was a terrible relationship and I just didn't know it. So came out of that. I had a year of just like, <laughs> I abandoned everything. I was, I call it my year of living promiscuously. I was, I was like, I'm just going to be, Hell yeah. I'm going to be the gay man everybody else is and just like live the life I want. And it was yeah. great. I mean, I, I don't regret that part of it at all, but I was also an emotional wreck. Um, and then met my husband, or, or the the man who would become my husband. And um, I mean, he's been a huge part of my my mm. healing, my journey. Like he's just the best. Um, and so it was through that relationship, which was slow. Like we we actually went really slow. I I was scared. I was nervous. I had been hurt. I didn't want to say I love you. I didn't even want to be boyfriends right away. Like he he was kind of the one who for me was casting this vision of the future for what our future could look like. And Mm. I was always skeptical of it a little bit, but you know, him taking those steps and leading me forward, I was like, okay, like, yeah, we can, I can try this. Um, and now I'm so grateful. I'm so glad he did. Uh, we got married in 2019, uh, October of 2019. And it was really, that year was the year I truly, truly fell in love with drag. I started going to drag shows like with him, Um, in the years leading up and it was i think the first time i saw a drag queen and was like 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 thought about it as more than just like that's cool that that person is doing that Mm -hmm. Um, i was just it was a trivia and one of the local queens here in san diego mariam t who is a cranky ass bitch um <laughs> but a beautiful cranky ass bitch uh who is now a very good friend of mine um I was just kind of like wow like she's having fun she is seems to be like living her best life she looks amazing like this is interesting to me and uh so you know we got into drag race binged binged all the seasons of drag race I had missed because of my uh, uh religious upbringing thought I couldn't watch that kind of stuff um and just got really obsessed with it. So by the year we got married, by 2019, we, I was just like drag all the time. Like that's the only content I wanted to consume. And uh, I went out in drag for the first time in uh, at Halloween of 2019. Mm. So, you know, every Halloween a, a queen gets her... Lashes. Yeah. her. Way- <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's just, just, it's because it's safe, right? Because it's, it's, it's very safe, yeah. right? Like nobody, yeah, yeah, totally. It's, an, makes it's an easy time to experiment and play. And it just, it did. It unlocked something in me that I had locked up for so, so long. And I just had the best night that night. And I went to a few house parties in the months after that in drag. Um, but I was a really busy, like had a full-time job. I was volunteering at my church. I was making music on the side. I just, I didn't have time for drag until pandemic hit and then i had hours of free time that i had to fill and i filled it with youtube makeup tutorials and uh and live streaming right right here in this room that i'm in right now we i i we house share with a couple other musicians and so the three of us would just put on live streams every thursday night to like 30 people on facebook like everybody was doing during pandemic <laughs> and uh and that's where flamey grant was kind of born and cut her chops and uh it's where I got the vision for what it all mm. all could potentially look like. Because this was not a career I ever foresaw for myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, so some of the people listening uh, will know right away when they hear Flamey Grant, they're going to say, "Oh, Amy Grant." Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. I don't know what percentage of people I would say more than half of well well more than half of the people that listen are not you know Christian or even Christian adjacent, yeah. and then some are you know because of who i still am sort of kind of trying to be you know i bring some of them in as well um where did where did your i mean you obviously have to love amy grant to call yourself flamey grant yeah where did that sort of begin what was the <laughs>
0: genesis of that uh relationship and does amy know about flamey <laughs> so it's funny actually you say that because the the number of people who think that i'm like Christians who are now aware of me because of what's happened in the past few weeks uh, who come on my page and are like, I can't believe you're mocking Amy Grant. I'm like, y'all don't understand the first rule of drag, do you? Like, Yeah, it's called an homage. It is an homage, baby. Like, It is the highest honor to have a drag queen name themselves after you. Um, Anyway, uh, I do. I love Amy Grant. Because I wasn't allowed to listen to really anything secular growing up, Um, she was... She was my definition of diva, you know, like that was, and, and for every queer kid, every, every little queer boy, like has to find their diva. Like that's just part of being queer. Even, even without the influence of any queerness in my life, I knew that I had to have a diva. Right. And so mine was Amy and I I love her to this day. And, um, she does know about me. Um, I, I know just from people in her orbit, friends of hers, things like that. Um, We've not ever spoken, or I've, I haven't ever met her. I've, I've gone to you know tons of her concerts over the years, but um, I'm sure that I'm sure it's coming. That day's coming. She's she's been a really wonderful, outspoken ally in recent years yeah. of the queer community. She has queer family members, that kind of thing, and um, just like she did in the '90s when she went through her divorce and remarried to Vince Gill, she took all kinds of heat from Christians 100%. for that. She was she was like the first. The, the cancel culture started with Amy Grant. Like Christians canceled her uh, back then, and then, uh, and they're, they're they're doing it again around some of the statements she's made to the press about being LGBTQ plus affirming. So she's wonderful. We stand Amy, and I hope one day I get to meet her. <laughs> there, there definitely needs to be uh, an
1: Amy Grant flamey Grant concert no. at some point. Wouldn't that be something? Be, oh my God, I would <laughs> I would fly wherever to see that. <laughs> it's kind of funny thinking back and this might be, this is a very niche uh, bit of the conversation right now that people might not appreciate, but for someone who grew up in Christianity and again, was not allowed to listen to secular music, non-Christian music. um, When I look back on artists that either came out during their career or got divorces, those were the two big, those were the two big taboos, right? I'm thinking of Ray bolts, Sandy Patty, uh michael english English. oh i love that you know Uh, right like yeah like i do i mean these were the people and then and then and even back then i i you know i'm a young teenager when these artists are in their prime and i remember not even knowing the specifics about wait wait their career just blew up and they're not making they just got we didn't have the language for canceled but like they're not making music anymore what the hell happened like their music was so great then you come to find out oh rays gay and you know then all these things happened afterward and and or amy gets divorced or you know what i'm saying like yep. and it's so wild still to this day we're in a, we're talking just about music but it's so wild that these people that proclaim to to serve love and live for a god of love um are so fucking hateful yeah. and so like not forgiving and so like you just ru- you're going to ruin that person's career cuz their relationship with their partner ended like yeah.
0: and they'll bring it what? and they will literally bring it up decades later in Instagram comments. It is baffling. I and and that was actually one of the things that really I think solidified my like and endeared me to Amy Grant was watching when she went through that because I I knew who she was, right? As an artist, as much yeah. as as a fan can know their favorite artist, like I knew who Amy Grant was. I I knew every lyric to all of her albums like I I was like this is it's like, that was one of those cognitive dissonance moments in my, my journey, which if I hadn't been so indoctrinated and ingrained, it probably would have kicked me out just right then because I would have been like, this is foolishness. Like we all know Amy Grant's heart. We know. And even if I did believe divorce was a sin, like, like who am I to judge it? Like, like that's not, that's not my job. That's not my role. And aren't we called to love always like those. It's just simple. Like Human things that f- that get thrown out of the window um, because of this system. Ugh. Hundred percent. Yes. Ugh is exactly <laughs> right. Okay. Let's get. Let's current day. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are.
1: Um, a few weeks ago.
0: Tell me what happened. So I, uh, I've become really good friends with Derek Webb. He was. I'm sure you know who he who he is. He was mm-hmm. uh, for anybody who doesn't. He was a member of. The band Cabin's Call, which was a massive selling and touring Christian band in the late 90s, early 2000s. One of my favorite bands. Quick, quick, quick interjection yeah. that 40
1: Acres Ooh. still holds up. Oh, holds up. Even me, decades after listening to it for the first time and really not listening to anything quote unquote called Christian music yeah. ever, because most of it blows, um, I still put that on. Same. And I just, and I just sing. And it's got some pretty, 40 it's, acres, it's got some pretty. Somewhere north of here, oh, 40 acres. North. Oh God, right? one of
0: my favorites. Yeah, yeah. It has, yeah. it has a strong Calvinist streak running through it. And even with it, that, I'm like, it's still, it's still good. A hundred percent, a hundred percent.
1: I still think there's value in just sort of like, I mean, I'm literally singing lyrics that I don't agree with anyone yeah. that I think are complete bullshit, yeah. but it's like, it, I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm becoming a better and more whole person by sort of redeeming. It's these it's things. It's transcend
0: and include. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so forty acres, great album.
0: Keep going. Yes, good album. Um, so yeah, Derek and I have become friends over the years. I had him on my podcast a few years back, and and we just kind of hit it off. And so. Um, well, the the way we got to here is Derek actually came on my record first. I, 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 he's a featured artist on the last song on my record, which is called Good Day, um, Good day. which was Amazing. just an awesome moment for me to have like a voice from my like that, that you know, you know, we all have those voices that we listen to when we were growing yep. up and they can just transport you. So to hear like words I wrote come out of Derek's mouth, like transcendent moment. Right. Very cool. Uh, And then amazingly, Derek asked me to be on his record. So with his song, Boys Will Be Girls, we, we put out a music video, uh, where I put him in drag and it's in a church and the whole song is, is, is it's his love letter to someone who came out to him, a, a close friend of his who came out to him. Um, and just a very affirming thing for the queer community coming from a straight ally. Right. And so I was very happy to be involved in that. And, As a result of that, Derek invited me to his album release show in Nashville about three, maybe three weekends ago now. And um, I opened for him and we got a picture with some other artists from the CCM world, uh, Jen Knapp and Tiffany Arbuckle of Plum. We were all there. So we took a photo and it made the rounds. And it got in front Mm -hmm. of a guy by the name of Sean Foyt. I'm still not entirely sure that that's how you say his name. That is how you say it. Okay, great. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yes. So this guy, I I knew nothing about Sean at the time other than remembering news stories about a a worship pastor who was... He popped up throughout the pandemic, unfortunately. during pandemic was having these like massive unmasked worship services. So once I realized he was that guy, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, let's, we'll just have some fun with him. And I didn't, I mean, I kind of knew he had a platform. I just wasn't really paying attention to the fact that he had like 100,000 followers on Twitter, like that kind of a platform. So I... I love I love to troll the trolls. It's it's a pastime for me. It's how I unwind at the end of the day. Um, (laughs) uh, So I just said I was it wasn't even trolling. Like what he said to me was um, this, or he just made a a tweet initially that I was responding to, and his tweet said, "This is the end goal of deconstruction: a Christian Mm -hmm. artist uh, collaborating with a drag queen. It's truly the last days." Yeah, Um,
1: which is something, by the way, that if you're not familiar with the Christian world, they've been saying this for thousands of years that these are the last days. And by the last days, again, if you're not familiar, most people are, Jesus is going to come back, kill everyone, and take just a few people to heaven. Um, But they always reference these last days. And when when bad things happen, right, when bad, quote-unquote, bad
0: things are happening, it's always the last days, and
1: Jesus never comes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We, we're, we're waiting, we're still waiting. And also, like, isn't that what they want? Don't they want the last days to come? Am I not an ally to the Christian community by bring, you're by helping ushering it. You're helping it come, yeah. <laughs> the last day? Yeah, you're helping Jesus come back quicker. <laughs> so I just wrote back, I was like, end goal, baby, no, 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 we're just getting started. Um, and he replied to that and said, well, good, good for us, hardly anyone listens to you or cares what you do, which is not a thing you say to a drag queen um, unless you are ready for that drag queen to... Not in 2000 fucking no, 23. No, no, So I, I took that and I ran with it because that is, that is one thing that every drag performer has in common is we can capitalize on an opportunity. <laughs> so I went to my TikTok and my, my social media and I was like, hey, y'all, this is what's going on. I have a worship song uh, that I think is way better than anything Sean Foyt has ever put out. Um, why don't we see if we can get it to crack the the Christian charts. Um, Let's see if we can get a drag queen's face on the Christian charts. That would be a cool moment to have in 2023. Um, And, you know, I I, I was hopeful, obviously, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think there was a possibility of it working. I had seen Semler, my my good buddy Semler had cracked the Christian charts there as the first out queer artist to do that in recent years. But I don't have that, I didn't have Semler's kind of following. uh, And yeah, just didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I woke up the next morning, and sure enough, like the song was number six on iTunes charts. And then by the end of the day, it had hit number one. And my album also hit number one and stayed there for nine days. So uh, way more than anything I could have expected. Uh, just very cool how how people come together when there's a little bit of like schadenfreude involved. <laughs> it really
1: honestly... Um... Most days, I don't feel all that hopeful for all the obvious reasons. Yeah. But I'm trying to be more hopeful because what I'm seeing is yes, there are some very loud, they are they a are few in number, but they're very loud, um, homophobic, sexist, misogynist, all the whatevers. They're very loud though, so it seems like there's more than there actually are. Um, but then things like this happen or Ohio the other day where the Republicans are trying to make it harder mm. for the, for the constitution in Ohio to change. And that didn't happen. And, you know, you, you and I wouldn't have thought that in Ohio yeah. and these things are popping up all over the the country and the world where you're seeing like these glimpses, of glimmers of hope that are like, man, maybe we can, maybe we can, maybe we can, maybe you, we know? can. Um, you know, you know, I've, I've never been <laughs> the yes, Obama, yes, we can, yes, we can, we can. <laughs> just cause maybe we can because, um, of things like this where, yes, I'm sure in the mix of all of the charting now and all the positive comments and all the positive reviews and all of that, I'm sure there are still sprinkled in some assholes that just have to get their like opinion, you know, they're very uninformed and hate-filled opinion out there. But I have been, again, hearing about you for the first time when I saw you in Boys Will Be Girls music video and then kind of following the last few weeks, um, I felt a little hopeful. Do you? How are you feeling? I mean, because you have, you uh, just the other day. So at first it was the iTunes, and then now then you charted on Billboard, correct? Yeah. Um yeah. And you've been mentioned. You've been not just mentioned. There have been articles written in Entertainment Weekly, Billboard, Rolling Stone, People, Today, Paste, are just some of the publications that have written about um, you clobbering Sean Foyt <laughs> with love and uh, beautiful music. You hopeful? You feeling yeah. hopeful? How are you feeling? You know,
0: and and, and the. The cool thing that I also get, in addition to all of that, is my DMs, which are just full to overflowing with stories. Oh, sure, yeah. And a lot of it's a lot of it's trauma dumping, and I can't read all of it because it'll trigger me and send me right back into my stuff too. Mm. But a lot of it is also just like, oh, thank you so much. Like I didn't. It, it's 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 exactly what you just said. People are saying what you just said, which is that I felt hopeless, or I feel I usually feel hopeless, that kind of thing. And this this makes me think that maybe. There's a chance, you know, that we can right this ship a little bit, and and I think for most people they're talking about the worlds of of, of faith, Christianity. Maybe some people are talking specifically about evangelicalism. I personally mm-hmm. am not hopeful for evangelicalism, but at the same time I look at that evangelicalism and I'm like, it's it's a sect of Christianity, and it's new. It is not not connected to the ancient traditions mm-hmm. of the religion. Yep. And we need to remember that despite the fact that it is having its moment and it, it, it's very politically powerful and they put a lot of money and effort into those things. And that's why we're so aware. There are traditions, Christian traditions that have, you know, been affirming and accepting and, uh, uh, you know, are, have been much more progressive for a long time that are way older than evangelicalism. So I try to remind myself and others of that any chance I get. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling hopeful that, uh, that we can move into a world that where the inclusion and diversity that we talk about in like progressive and even in corporate spaces right now can also move into some of these religious spaces that have not been safe for a lot of people, not just queer people. You know, racism thrives uh, in evangelicalism. Women, people of color, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Maso- yeah, misogyny, Ugh, just overwhelming in those spaces. So we we do have a lot of work to do, but it does give me hope, absolutely how have the last few weeks well have the
1: last few weeks changed the trajectory of your life at all like how you wh- what you want to do from here on out um i assume it has but i don't want to i don't want to assume anything yeah um yeah how How has it changed and where, where are you going what do you what are
0: you like where are you <laughs> headed right now with all of this Well, what's wild um and and this is one of the if, if I were someone who still used language like this, I would just call this a God thing. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I was already on my way out of my day job. I gave notice five months ago to my day job and my husband and I are moving in three weeks, or actually two weeks now, uh, moving to North Carolina where I was born and raised. Um, and so all of these wheels were already in motion and we were doing it in order for me to be a full-time drag musician. That's, that's what we were chasing. And, um, so it really hit at a lovely time for me. <laughs> and I'm very, at the end of the day, I'm very grateful to Sean Foy because I think the majority of people are not taking him seriously. And it's obviously opened up crazy doors for me. Um, and so I do see, I mean, I, and I'm continuing with that trajectory that was already in place. Like yeah. I want to, sure. I want to make music and, and do drag and all of everything that I get to do in that sphere, I want to just be able to do more of it. But it, kind of like what we started out with at the beginning of this conversation, I feel like it has kind of just put a laser focus, like a spotlight on those next steps for me and, and really how big of an impact this work can have, which is just not something, again, I feel like the, the deeper I get into drag, the more I become aware of the impact mm. that it can have on people's lives. I started it for myself. It was inner child work. I, did, I put on makeup in my bedroom, and, you know, it was healing and reparenting the little kid who got in trouble for doing that, right? Wow. And then, you know, I had some success on TikTok early on, and that's when I realized, oh, my drag can do that for other people. And now we've got this. And I'm like, oh, my drag can do that for a lot of people? And <laughs> so, you know, who knows what's coming next? But, you know, I, I definitely have I have long-time long, long time dreams, things I want to do. I, w- I would love to write a musical. Like, I would love to have a Broadway musical one day, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. There, there are things that I think this will lead me to that I'm, I'm super, super grateful for. It's crazy. Where in North
1: Carolina are you moving? Asheville area. Okay, Asheville. Yeah. Okay, great. My, um, I love Asheville. It's a great town. And my in-laws live in. Uh, actually, you're headlining a Pride Festival next month in Blunt County. Blunt County. Yeah. Uh, they live in. Uh, outside of Maryville, Tennessee. oh cool, and so I know that area incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't love, I love visiting yeah. them. Don't care for East Tennessee, yep. but I know that whole area like the back of my hand. I can get anywhere. I know we were just there two weeks ago, <laughs> uh, visiting them for some summer fun. Um, and then my family, most of my family live in Central North Carolina, mm-hmm. around like Greensboro yeah. area. Yeah, so just a skip and a hop away from there. That's are you are you. I mean, not that San Diego is the most inclusive, welcoming part of California. Right. It's because because it's not. But are, how how are you? I mean, I guess Asheville's super safe and amazing and progressive. But it still is. You're going to the it's south. south the you, Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and there are still yeah. There was a, a bill proposed this year in North Carolina to the, the, similar to what's been going around in Texas and Tennessee to ban drag shows and those kinds of things. So it's there. Um, and and I I'd be lying if I say there wasn't some hesitancy and some level of nerves that are heightened sure. <laughs> living going to live there as opposed to living here um but i, I as i i posted a, a photo the other day of a protest outside san diego's downtown library or not library uh, our downtown children's museum was hosting a, a drag story time and had a massive line of protesters um, who all looked like they were organized by like one person because all the signs were like the same. Like it, so, it's I don't think a community of people came together to protest this. I, yeah,
1: Karen called all of exactly. her friends and told them to yeah. come. Yeah,
0: Um, But that kind of shit's everywhere, and I, I I feel very strongly that um, you know I think it's Liz Gilbert who talks about fear being the passenger in the backseat and never never letting it drive. Right? Fear mm. is there for it serves a purpose, um, but. You can't be controlled by your fear. And that's how I lived my whole entire life because I was scared to death of hell, scared to death uh, of a, being a sinner in the hands of an angry God, those kinds of things. Um, and I, I won't do that anymore. I will not live in fear. And part of why we chose, it, it ended up coming down to like between Portland and North Carolina for us. And part of why we chose the Southeast is because my drag, what I do, where I'm, I'm from there. So like it, I can I already know how to speak that language culturally. Mm-hmm. And and um, I feel like it will make more of a difference there than it, it would here on the West Coast. And that's part of why we're going. So I believe in being brave. Um, and yeah. that's the thing I want to inspire other people to do uh, is tap into your bravery uh, because we can all do that in our own way. It doesn't mean we all have to move mm-hmm. to states that need our votes, but um, there are always ways we can stand up for one another bravely and not cower in the face of this, this new fascism. Um, I won't have it. <laughs> I won't have it. <laughs> love it. Love it. How do you currently define,
1: um, your faith, spirituality, God, like, where are you in all of that? You don't have to get super deep. It can be like a one sentence thing, but like, I'd love to know because there is still like, as I, as I listen to your music and you talk on social media like it's still there yeah. i mean even you know like you, there's that language even your last album which is amazing bible belt mm-hmm. baby like you're sort of recognizing that this is part of who you are maybe still and so how do you see where, where are you with your faith and
0: spirituality and what you think is happening in the world yeah you know it's it's a i think it's a hard thing for anybody who's um awake woke <laughs> uh yeah aware is all that means, right? Who's just aware of what's going on in the world. I think it's hard for anybody to like, just blindly take on that word. Sorry, not blindly. That's not a good word. But you know, to just without thinking, take on that word Christian, because of what it does mean to most people in our country. So I think you have to think critically about that. And I did for a really long time. And I vacillated. And I was like, do I release this as a Christian record? Um, And part of why I did was seeing Semler's success, uh, uh, you know, getting Getting songs on the Christian charts as a as an out queer musician, um, and seeing what happened with their fan base and the way, the the impact that they're having on people, and I was like, that's cool, that's pretty cool. I'd love to I'd love to have a similar impact on people, um, and the other part was really just pulling back once we finished this, all, getting all the songs together on the record, looking at it as a whole, and I'm like, this is. This is my 40 acres. Like this is like a mm. turn of the century Christian record. Not like the worship bullshit that, that tops the charts today. Mm-hmm. I hate worship mm-hmm. music so much. It's I'm like, we sing that on Sundays. We don't need that during the week. <laughs> like, um, I love the singer songwriter storytelling stuff and, and, and mine just happens to tell a large part of my spiritual journey. And I was like, it's a Christian record. It just is like, that's the audience, like queer Christians, people growing up in the church who are queer. Those are the f- folks I want to hear this. I also would love for it to touch the hearts of some more hardened uh, folks who have not been welcoming to queer people, that kind of thing. But that's why I did that. My own spirituality at the end of the day, I'm a universalist. Like I just believe in the bigness of love and, and it probably, like, I think that in my mind there is a divine, there's a, there's a, there's something kind of like what you were saying at the beginning. Like, I don't know what to call it. And, and I'm really great with a, I, like I have a high tolerance for ambiguity and uncertainty in those things now that I didn't have growing up because that was totally. like we talked about the, the highest the paragon was belief right? and childlike belief and not thinking things through <laughs> was the highest virtue and now I'm just like we can't actually know like like you can't empirically prove it um, and that's why we use the word belief because it's not a true thing it's a belief. It's something we trust in about an unseen reality. And um, so I feel like I want to believe the thing that gets the most people into heaven, right? Which is everybody. If there is a heaven, if there even is one, like, uh, I I, I just want to believe that everybody's there, that we are all good. Yeah, we make mistakes. Yeah, like, I, I understand why sin nature can the doctrine of sin nature can like resonate with some people because we do have things in, uh, in us that we have to like overcome darknesses sometimes that we have to overcome, but I still believe we're good from the get go. And yeah, so I'm a universalist and I, and I use um, Christian language because that's culturally what I know and it's who I know to speak to. And there is something about being raised in it that does get in your bloodstream a little bit, you know, like I still will find myself singing old hymns that I don't agree with and Uh, lyrically or uh, oftentimes I've rewritten hymns for like my progressive churches in the past so I don't know there's something I still find beauty in the space and I I, I think that's probably that coupled with the knowing that I can stand in it and represent something that those kids aren't going to see anywhere else like that makes it worth it for me for now (sighs) we'll see absolutely
1: do you know there's an artist named, I think, I think their name is Alina Sabatini. Have you heard? I don't they, think so. They rewrote Come Thou Fount of Every oh, Blessing. Oh, it's, uh, uh, like it's called True they've Colors. They've blown up on TikTok recently, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. I have seen that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I like, again, I still I still sing, sometimes I find myself singing the archaic, terrible, you know, <laughs> lyrics to songs that I just love, especially... Come Thou Fountain is one of the most beautiful it's melodies gorgeous. that I can think yeah. of. It just, is, it's it's, second to none. It's just amazing. And Alina rewrote the lyrics mm. uh, and it's, it's beautiful. And I think she just put it out on, it's like out on Spotify now, um, a really beautiful, beautiful recording of that song. Um, mm. That's really beautiful. Uh, okay, so let's begin to wrap up. You've been so generous with your time. Um, let's wrap up here. I want you to talk to those listening um, for a minute. I remember seeing this uh, TikTok, the one the one that's pinned on this, the one that's pinned on your Instagram. This TikTok where you talk about the second hmm. act, and I think so many of us i'm not not even just like a religious second act like coming out of it and trying to figure something new out or maybe a third act whatever but we're 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 we're, we're we've progressed in life and it's a, it's a it's a new us while still you know like if you go see a play when you're in the second and third act you don't forget what happened in the first right so we, we we're still yeah. holistically who we are the good the bad and the ugly but there are so many of us around our age and You know, people that are, they're figuring out new careers, trying to get out of toxic relationships, whether romantic or church or otherwise. So kind of give people uh, uh, what you want them As, as as a stunning Christian drag queen, chart topping drag queen. What do you want people to know about life? And about this ability, you have the ability to jump into a second mm-hmm. act. You have the ability to change things. Um, and you also connected it to the divine, which I really loved as well. So just talk to those listening about kind of what, what do you want to send them off with? What message do you want them to get from your music, from your life, from your experiences? Yeah.
0: I mean, even I kind of look back at that video now and I just didn't even foresee to borrow language how prophetic it was. Right. Um, because at that time I was, I was still mostly doing that for myself. You know, that was the first video that for me that went viral. So up until that point, no one knew, definitely no one knew who I was. And then after that I had a following on TikTok. but like, um, I couldn't have foreseen any of this. And now i really believe in the second act like even more so and i i believe in it because for me what what happened was i finally reached that point in my life where i realized or chose to believe whatever uh, that happiness isn't a thing that's waiting for us in an afterlife maybe it is maybe an even greater level of happiness is waiting that'd be awesome but but i i realized how exhausted i was of living for that like like molding myself into something that I just like trying to fit in a box that I was never going to fit in, in order to gain some potential hypothetical happiness in an afterlife, when I have the capacity, the ability, the imagination, the creativity, and the spirit to do that right here, right now, to make that happiness for myself right here. And like, that's, that is how we get saved. Like that's salvation to me, and that is that comes from that's internal that comes from inside of us um I'm not asking a deity to save me i I did that, and you can interpret that in so many ways you can believe in a, a divine spark that is in each of us and i I do probably believe in that and so you know maybe God is still saving me, but it's it's through my own efforts and it's through my own actions and um so i I believe that to be a true thing for all of us um and the second act to me is – because the, the, the line that precedes that in the video uh, is um, when you realize that that uh, the, the gr- deepest truth of the divine is that you're meant to be happy in the here and now. Um, I can't wait to see what you make of your second act. Like that's, that's – mm-hmm. those two are tied together for me intrinsically now forever. And um, so that's what I hope to inspire for folks is um, – just a belief that you have the ability to love yourself well even if you haven't been loved well um, mm. and to reparent yourself in ways that maybe you needed and didn't get and to cast a vision for whatever the next chapter of your life might look like um, for mm. me it does mean an actual like career change and like quitting my nonprofit day job and becoming a full-time drag musician but it could mean so many things. It could exactly what you were talking about, ending toxic relationships, um, finding spaces where you're upheld and and viewed as a whole human being. Um, You know, there's so many options for what that could look like. But I think it starts with acknowledging that you deserve to be happy.
1: And I love the line before, you know, you mentioned the deepest truth of the divine is that you'd be happy in the here and now. But the line before that, Again, I want to end on that, which is I don't care if it takes you half a life to figure it out. I'm always trying to tell people, like, you're – you are you know, obviously some horrible thing could happen. You could die Mm -hmm. today, you know, way sooner than you could have or should have or whatever. But as far as you know, you've got a long life ahead of you. Even if you're – I know people reinventing themselves at 50, 60, 70. So if you're like me who turns 40 next month and I feel like I'm 24, (laughs) like, that second – you have – the ability, wherever you are in life, to make those shifts and change and realize that you can be happy in the here and now. And that's a divine purpose for your life. Um, so wherever that second act happens, it can it can happen. And, and in your case, it's happening, thankfully, because of a, I mean, again, you were already on your way there, but the, the, the homophobic, yeah. ridiculous human that is Sean Foyt sort of catapulted that yeah. forward in ways that you probably didn't imagine. Didn't have, yeah. uh, and, all, and all you did was uh, respond to a tweet and, and the rest is history. Yeah. Where do you want to send people um, a, 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 Yeah, music, tour, anything that's going on that you want them to follow as you continue to build this, as you move east, all yeah. those things?
0: Um, uh, so I, my music's everywhere that you listen from, you know, Spotify to YouTube, you can find it. I'm the only flamey grant out there. Just be sure to put that FL in front. Um, although listen to Amy too. Um, and, uh, I am, I I got a whole bunch of tour dates that I'm about to announce for the rest of the year. So, and, and they're, Largely on the East Coast and and Midwest and a little bit in Texas and and Northeast too, but um, places I haven't toured a lot yet because I've lived on the West Coast for so long. So I'm excited to to get out into new spaces. So just check my dates, come see me if you can. Let's let's kiki, let's hang out, and uh, yeah, there's new music coming too very soon. So if you follow me on the socials, you'll you'll get wind of that when it happens. So. Flammy Grant, this has been an absolute
1: pleasure. Thank you for thank joining Thank you. Me. I appreciate you. Dear friends and damn givers, thank you so much for showing up and for spending some time with Flammy and me this week. To find links for everything mentioned in today's conversation and to keep up with all things Let's Give a Damn, visit letsgiveadam.com. Please share this conversation with a friend. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and please show up next week. We have many more incredible conversations coming your way. Chad Snavely, Jess Collins-Harn, and the incredible team at Sound On Studios made this episode. The music is by our friend Propaganda. You can reach out anytime and for any reason at at helloatletsgiveadam.com. Keep giving a damn, my friends. I love you all. Bye for now.